have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Really glad to have this man on. We haven't had him on before. His name is Steve Yates. He's the AFPI chair, China Poli- uh, Policy Initiative, over with AmericaFirstPolicy.com. Steve, how are you? Good to see you. Doing great. Thanks so much. So much going on with China right now. And I just want to backtrack a little bit when uh, President Trump was in office. Um, I think that he made some really great moves when it came to China. And I'm a, I'm a Trump supporter, so maybe that's that's clouding my judgment a little bit. But let me just lay it out. China was being very unfair with us when it came to trade. Trump said, oh, yeah, watch this. And then he even the, the playing field. Also, he had President Xi, I think, at Mar-a-Lago when he made the decision to drop 56 you know, Tomahawk missiles or something on, uh, on uh, ISIS in Syria. So we showed strength immediately under Trump, whereas under Biden, we appear to be showing nothing but weakness. Do you agree with it? A hundred percent. I've said all along, I think one of the most dangerous things in the world is provocative weakness. People always think of kind of cowboy aggression being what's going to get you into trouble. But a little bit of swagger with the demonstration effect when the time is right and your interests require it, you're willing to use the power you have. It does a lot to deter the bad folks around the world. And I do think that that Mar-a-Lago experience that Chinese leader Xi Jinping got had an effect. Uh, And of course, President Trump did begin, I think, a very necessary and historic course correction on China policy began with what mattered to Americans at the kitchen table with the economy and trade. But it was really moving in other directions before the transition to President Biden took it away. It's Steve Yates. He's the former White House Deputy National Security Advisor to Vice President Dick Cheney. How different is our relationship between China and the U.S. today than it was 20 years ago? Oh, it's remarkably different. And I think the most important way it's different is the scope to which the Chinese Communist Party is a part of our everyday lives and all of our institutions. The Soviet Union could only have dreamt of having its tentacles so deep into our way of life to the point where we are almost self-deterred because of our dependencies on supply chains and the money that can come from dealings with China makes it so that our universities, Wall Street, and uh, some of our even political institutions are all tainted by the financial ties to China in ways that make us a lesser challenge to them. It's very interesting how you laid that out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it even simpler. Um, as a layperson, this is what I see happening. Really? They're letting us buy land there? That's crazy. Really? Yeah. really they're, they're letting us into educational facilities with the Confucius Institutes? Really? Really? They let us buy Hollywood? Really? They're letting us, you know, pay $2 billion to the, to the NBA to infiltrate big sports? I almost get the feeling that in Beijing, where I've been, by the way, uh, I, I get the feeling that they're all going, really? They're letting us do that? I mean, it, it's got to be mind-boggling for them because they thought that we would resist all of this, and they've got us on social media with TikTok. They've got us, uh, as I said, in education, in big sports, in big Hollywood, probably infiltrating traded big news, they've got to be kicking themselves or, 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 or I, I don't know, dropping on their knees and, and thanking uh, Buddha or something that they're able to infiltrate as they have. Do you think that's what they said? There's no way they let us do this in America, did they? Well, I think that they saw that we had a tremendously arrogant ruling class that assumed that if we just give them a ton of money, access to technology, and if we give them a taste of what free markets and free life are in America, that it would somehow take over the hive mind of the Communist Party of China, that they would be less ruthless to their own people, less ruthless in the international system, that our areas of cooperation would expand and our opportunities for conflict would narrow over time. This is a very soothing scenario 
that a lot of our elites adopted for the better part of a half century. It just didn't happen to have the virtue of being true. And what we did is we, we invited them in. You're exactly right. It was very permissive and naive. Well, they've taken advantage of what we gave them, sort of like a quarterback reading a defense. Why wouldn't I keep going right up the middle if they're meeting with no resistance? Yeah, it's exactly right. Uh, can, can I go and buy a bunch of land in China right now? Zero, zero, no reciprocity whatsoever. And, and, and by the lovely way, lovely principle. And by the way, they're not only buying land here; they're buying it 15 miles from from army bases. What, what am I, Steve? What am I missing? Well, I, my what, only thing we're missing is why our our, our ruling class doesn't connect with common sense anymore. Number one, reciprocity should be the first principle. If we can't buy a, a bit of land in China, then anyone tied to the CCP shouldn't be able to buy land here, regardless of the location or pur purpose. Uh, the other thing is, I mean, after all, the Chinese Communist Party deliberately let COVID out into the world. They're allowing fentanyl out into the world. These are the, the greatest systemic attacks on American families and communities in the history of our republic. Why would we trust them with quality control with use of land or our food supply? That ought to be the death knell of the even consideration of land being opened up to them. AmericaFirstPolicy.com is the website. AmericaFirstPolicy.com. It's Steve Yates, the AFPI Chair, China Policy Initiative. Why is it that we allowed, and, and this is going to go back probably a good 50 years, why did we allow manufacturing to leave us? We became a service economy, and we allowed China to start doing all of our manufacturing. And then fast forward back to today, why on earth would we rely on China for our pharmaceuticals, for our Tylenol, and for our um, medicines for just the common cold? We're running short because we weren't getting enough from China. Why don't we make that here? Well, I think the short answer is, of course, we should. And hopefully people are coming to their senses that we have to, with anything that is strategically important to the American way of life, we should have independence if we if we we should at least safe shore it, do things with our allies and reliable partners. There's two problems with what happened. Number one was buying the myth that globalization was going to bring free markets to the entire world and we could have kind of an Adam Smith wealth of nations moment. Right. Uh, but the other one was that it never was free trade and free markets with unfree people in China. And there was an over-concentration in one country. And so that's a perversion of markets. That's not the kind of diversity and competition that, that free, free economics would call for. And so our elites just allowed us to go down this road. We poured money and opportunity into one place and the reward we got for it now is leverage that they use against us to try to block against sanctions or alternatives. It's Steve Yates, uh, AFPI Chair, China Policy Initiative. Steve, what is our policy supposed to be with China? And I ask it in this vein. Nancy Pelosi came out very fervently that we believe in the one China policy, which includes Taiwan as part of China. Uh, but then again, we say that we believe in Taiwan's independence. What is our policy supposed to be when it comes to the CCP? Well, I have a series of degrees that would say that I'm an expert on this, but it's pretty hard to get away from pure common sense. Okay. America's policy towards China should be in plain English. We shouldn't use Chinese communist rhetoric. When someone says one China, that's not English. Americans don't think there's more than one China. Right. Uh, they, they know that there is a People's Republic of China, a communist China, and then there's Taiwan, 23 million free democratic people. Yeah. Uh, and it's only 
between the experts and the communists that try to play these word games. Uh, and so our policy should basically be, we'll have a fruitful and, and profitable, positive relationship with the Chinese people, but we want no part with of the Communist Party of China. They hate us. They have poisoned us. They have stolen from us. They are hostile to our interests. And frankly, they're the enemy of the Chinese people. Uh, and when it comes to Taiwan, we should treat them for who they are. They live on an island. They are friends. They manufacture important things to our way of life. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to go to war with China over this, but neither do we want to turn a blind eye to their aggression in ways that would further hurt our American way of life by stepping on our su su semiconductor supply chains and otherwise encroaching on our allies in the Pacific. We literally have had Americans apologize for calling Taiwan a country. You know that, right? Absolutely. I mean, and it just blows my mind. I mean, it's the, it's the worst possible thing in the world. But I mean, a communist is basically a political warrior that is using words to manipulate people's minds. They don't manufacture things. That's all they do is attempt to engage in mind control. And when you give in to them, you basically let them win without fighting. AmericaFirstPolicy.com is the website. Make sure you go there and talk with Steve Yates. Uh, Steve, what, what is uh, she trying to do by meeting with, um, with Putin? Because a couple of scenarios come to my mind. I'm not as smart as you, but uh, a couple of scenarios come to mind. Either A, China wants to be the reason for the ceasefire, then they look like the, the hero of the world, or they want to back Russia militarily like we're backing Ukraine militarily, and then it becomes World War III. What do you think they're doing? Well, I think it's in that range of options that is it's what's driving their behavior. Number one, it's important to remember that Xi Jinping has a third grade education. We're not talking about a Phi Beta Kappa, uh, a master strategist. We're talking about someone who knows brute force and opportunism. Right. And so when he sees American weakness in the world, he presses. And when he has a, a partnership without limits with Vladimir Putin, he's just going over there to say, I'm going to sell more to you and I'm going to help you bleed out the West in Europe and then maybe I have greater advantage in the Pacific yeah. with, with, with America and others distracted. Uh, he's playing the political theater where he can play like he's a peacemaker, but he's not going to execute on any deals. No one in their right mind thinks China really respects sovereignty. It only respects it when it works for them. Yeah. If they respected sovereignty, they wouldn't be claiming Taiwan, which they've never governed. It, it, it brings to mind Hong Kong, and they broke the deal with uh, with the UK. I'm not really sure the UK ever gave Hong Kong back. And then when Hong Kong said, well, we still want independence, China said, screw you, and then sent troops in and started arresting people who were waving American flags, uh, honestly. So when we see what's happening with Taiwan, is it just a... Is it just a waiting game? Is it just, it's going to happen. They're going to invade. They're going to completely take it over. And they know that Biden won't do anything. Uh, are they gauging what's happening in Ukraine before they make a move in Taiwan, do you think? Well, for sure, they're gauging what's happening in Ukraine. They want to see whether international sanctions stick and have an impact. And so if China and Russia and Iran and others are sort of engaging in a coalition that insulates against the impact of sanctions, that matters to Beijing for a Taiwan contingency. But what they did in Hong Kong was, was worse than sending in the stormtroopers. They got Hong Kongers themselves to erode their institutions. Right. And it's that kind of political warfare that they want to engage in in Taiwan without having to engage in a military invasion. And frankly, it's what they've been doing to us. They love the connection to the woke movement in the United States. It was not by accident that their wolf warrior diplomat 
diplomats were, were citing chapter and verse the political rhetoric of Antifa and others from 2020 when they sat down and met with the Biden administration. So they're engaging in this in ways to get us to undermine our institutions so that they don't have to stand too tall and trying to challenge us. AFPI Chair China Policy Initiative at Steve Yates. Steve, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, when it comes to TikTok, I was on TikTok for a minute. Somebody dared me to go on there. I built 100,000 followers in about in about a month. Uh, it was very easy with my big following on, on radio, but they squelched everything that I had to say that was at all biting against uh, communist China or was at all against the woke culture in this country. They, they literally would take the videos down and ban me. Then, of course, I found out from Brendan Carr at the FCC how exactly uh, bad it is as a Trojan horse that they can, can see everything on your phone. They can, they can even see your, your location and, and your facial recognition. So I got rid of it like I think everybody should get rid of it. On TikTok, they will hold up on high everything that China stands for and attack anything that would be freedom, liberty, and the, the actual American value system. Is that how they're getting to Americans, or are they doing it the other way that I just mentioned, by getting your facial recognition, your location, and everything that's on your phone? Are they doing it both ways? It is definitely an enormous data vacuum operation, okay. uh, but it also is a form of psychological warfare uh, because it's it's worse than just having a separate algorithm in China that encourages kids to focus on career development and meaningful success. Well, in America, they want people distracted by whatever kind of performances are happening in front of kids or dancing videos or cat videos. What they're doing is distracting, disrupting any form of deep thought, making people addicted to what's in the palm of their hand. Right. Uh, and it basically is anti-productivity. And so it's another way of using technology that we're, that we're willingly engaging in to make us less of a challenge, less entrepreneurial, less productive. Uh, and so it's very, very much a part of their broader political strategy. And that's why I think anything tied to the CCP shouldn't be allowed in our communications or tech space. I mean, uh, in China, I, I actually was there. I adopted my daughter, Gia, and I looked on Google to see what happened in Tiananmen Square, and it said one guy died from a ricochet bullet. Um, otherwise, it was peaceful. Now, we know that the Chinese tanks killed about 7,000 people that day in Tiananmen Square. We're being their, their entire population is being lied to. So they control what can come into their country. It's the same thing with the buying the, of the land. They control it. They control the message. They don't have any freedom and liberty. You can't buy land there. You can't really do business there. Yet on the other side, they can do anything they want here. I get why Biden does it. Biden, I believe, is owned. His entire family is owned by China. Obviously, when Hunter Biden went there and, and secured $1.5 billion in money to manage on Air Force Two when Joe Biden was the vice president, that shows you who the Bidens are. But why would our media in this country be so complicit? Do you know? Well, I assume it has it, some of it is part of the old missionary yearning of wanting to save a billion people. And it's it's like we talked about with that bet of 50 years. If, if we just get them access to free information that somehow they're just like us, they want a better life for their kids and they'll find a way to have greater control over their destiny and they'll be able to moderate their government because after all, the billion people is tough to govern. But it turns out that the Chinese Communist Party has found ways of using the tools of the internet, modern communication, and the news media to shape, monitor, and keep people essentially prisoners of thought. Wow. Uh, and so uh, that bet has gone badly. But I think 
after having seen the results, the greater sin is, I think that these corporations are just in bed for the access for their investors. Uh, there are people who think that they can't be a viable global media operation if they don't have access to that market. Uh, I never thought I would ever praise Tom Cruise as an actor, but I give him his props for allowing Top Gun to go with an accurate historical bomber jacket that had the Republic of China flag of Taiwan uh, and no theaters were screening that movie in China, and yet it became the highest grossing film. Uh, so it proved that you can do without access to that market, do good, and make good to your investors. You know, Steve, I was going to ask you, what do you think of Tom Cruise as an actor? No, I'm kidding. I wasn't, <laughs> exactly. wasn't going to go there. No, it's very interesting. I'm glad that he, that he held to his guns. I mean, quite literally, um, because there was a lot of pressure not to do that. It's Steve Yates from uh, AmericaFirstPolicy.com. One last question, and it's a broad question, but give me about a minute on this if you don't mind. Um, what exactly do they want? What does Xi Jinping and the CCP want from us? And is world domination really the answer? Well, first and foremost, they want to put us in our place as they see it. Uh, they, they think they have this trail of grievances of the West and primarily Washington uh, containing them by a group of alliances that have them penned in uh, to threatening sanctions and trying to interfere in their internal affairs, micromanaging human rights abuses and unfair economic practices and things like that. And basically, they, they want us to get out of their hair. Uh, and uh, there could be some empathy with that yearning from other parts of the world. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is there would be no modern China today if the United States hadn't sent Henry Kissinger to have detente with them to yeah. lean the other way. If we hadn't had extremely permissive economic policies, giving them education, technology and money. Uh, and so there, there's this, it's one of those contradictions. What they want is to have their cake and eat it too, to be left alone, but keep the barn door open for them to take whatever they want. Very well said. Steve Yates, AFPI Chair, China Policy Initiative. Go to AmericaFirstPolicy.com, AmericaFirstPolicy.com. Steve, great to talk to you. Come back on, okay? My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, brother. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pag Show. Really appreciate you stopping by. If you missed any part of Steve Yates' interview, really, really good information on China, what China's trying to do, and why they keep on doing it to us. So go and check that out on Rumble tonight, JoePags.com. Click on Watch. It'll take you to the Rumble link. The Amber Athey interview will be up there as well. Appreciate you by today. Back tomorrow. Same time, same place. See you. This is the Joe Pags Show.